Hello and welcome to worship. My name is Olivia Osterhage and I am blessed to serve as the Director of Marketing and Outreach here at First St. Charles. In just a little bit, Reverend Dr. Bart Hildreth will be continuing the sermon series, Strengthening the Core. Today's scripture comes from the book of John, chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is a core teaching of Jesus that we might be strengthened. Thanks be to God. Mary, Mary, quite contrary, how does your garden grow? With silver bells and cockle shells and pretty maids all in a row. How is it we grow? I am the true vine, Jesus says. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. We grow by being in Jesus, abiding with Him. That we are to grow and how we are to grow constitutes one of the core teachings of Jesus. Since the start of the year, we've been looking at core teachings of Jesus, one from each of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and today, John, to strengthen our core as disciples. These are teachings of Jesus. There are plenty of important teachings about Jesus, His incarnation, His resurrection, His second coming. Without wanting to diminish them in any way, we're focusing on things Jesus taught. Early last year in a sermon, I made the claim that the love of God was the central teaching of the writing of John. Indeed, a good argument could be made for that. An equal claim could be made concerning John's Gospel in particular for our need to abide with Jesus. To that point, John's Gospel hits us right off the bat with the unique claim that in Jesus, God abides with us. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. Literally, God pitched God's tent among us. God abides with us that in Jesus, 
we may abide with God. This is one of, if not the, single great theme of John's Gospel. The Jewish philosopher Martin Buber once declared, all real living is in meeting. It's in relationship with others. So it is. And so Jesus teaches using the garden variety metaphor of a vine to indicate how close we are to be with Him, to intertwine our lives with His. Verse 4, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in Me. Uh, Like many of you, I was raised on a transactional model for dealing with God. Salvation at its heart was an exchange. God had something I wanted heaven. I had something God wants, my sin to confess, my faith to give. This is the deal. You give God your life, God gives you eternal life. There's value in that model, but it doesn't go far enough Often it comes down to a one and done. Somewhere along the line, perhaps we realize there must be more. There is more, isn't there? Moving beyond a transactional model, some folk will shift to an informational model. Salvation is earned and what can be learned? The more we learn about God, the Bible, about Jesus, the better off we are. But does all the learning go far enough? How much learning is enough to learn? In the end, we reduce salvation and the spiritual life to how competent we are at grasping God. But what of God grasping us? That's the question. What of God grasping us? We can know every single detail of a person's life, but not have a relationship with them. So, in addition to a transactional model and an informational model, could I suggest what we might call a transformational model? It's not about the art of the deal that we make, or the information that we learn, but about who we become. The poet Rilke's words get us there. Enough of the work of the eyes, the mind. Take all that you've been given and go deeper. Do the heart work. Can we do the heart work? It's relational. And in our relationship with God, it's transformational we're not just acquiring a ticket into heaven or acquiring more knowledge we're taking on a life to be with Jesus as Jesus is with God in order to be transformed all real living is in meeting to that end where we abide on what we dwell matters if we're being honest we dwell on a whole lot more more on 
things other than Jesus, on work, on family, on sports, on conflict, on things we want, on what we want others to think of us. Yet, 11 times in the 11 verses of our Scripture, Jesus says, abide. And we're not sure we can abide it. And we certainly don't want to hear it. To do so would convict us for sure of how focused we are on everything but Him and on Him alone. The business of abiding takes practice. Can we, as Brother Lawrence famous, famously put it, practice the presence of God? He suggested doing so in the mundane, and for him it was in the washing, the practice of washing dishes, fully aware of God's presence with each, with each dish he washed. If you can, if you dare, this is what the ancient Christian mystics suggest. Observe a cow, they said. The cow goes out and eats some good grass. Then she sits down under a tree and chews her cud until she extracts from her food both milk and cream. The often the recluse, who was a 19th century bishop, wrote a work entitled the spiritual life, and how to be attuned to it. Distilling the ancient Christian traditions of prayer, he gets really practical with his advice. Accustom yourself to walk in the presence of God, he says, to preserve this remembrance. Choose a few short prayers and repeat them often with appropriate thoughts and feelings. The practice is simple. Stand before the Lord with the attention in the heart and call to Him, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. The essential part of this, he says, is not in the words but in the faith, contrition, and feelings, one can stand before the Lord even without any words, and it will still be prayer. To be still with God, to abide with God, is one of the core practices, one of the most basic core practices of Christian faith. Here in St. Louis, we know Vianney High School. It's one of our elite Catholic schools. When its namesake, St. John Maria Vianney, once asked an old farmer what he did just sitting alone in church, the church for hours upon hours, looking at the tabernacle, the vessel containing the bread of communion, the humble man responded, Nothing. I look at him, and he looks at me. I look at him, and he looks at me. It's nothing, and it's everything. This 
spiritually core business of abiding. But when Jesus says, abide with me, isn't it more? Jesus is telling his disciples, he's telling us to abide in the context of his final days on earth. Just moments earlier, he told us, in my Father's house there are many dwelling places, and I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. He will be faithful. He'll do his part to abide with us. But will we do ours? Last June, I got to sit in on a seminar with one of United Methodist's great futurists, Leonard Sweet. Periodically, said Sweet, recently, I like to read Vanity Fair's parlor game called the Proust Questionnaire, in which 35 pellets are shot at celebrities in rapid-fire fashion with five seconds to answer each prickly question. Here are a few of the questions put to Indian-born British-American novelist Salman Rushdie along with his answers. Rushdie, you'll remember, lost an eye and use of a hand in a knife attack last year. What is the trait you most deplore in yourself? Rushdie, talkativeness. If you were to die and come back as a person or a thing, what do you think it would be? Rushdie, a city street. Where would you like to live? Rushdie, on bookshelves forever. Proust, what do you consider your greatest achievement? Rushdie, to have continued. How many of us have been faced with an attack or a struggle or a failure where, with God's help, we dusted ourselves off, shook the dust off our feet, and said with gratitude, I continued to abide with Jesus as Jesus abides with God is to stick to Him, to stick with Him in good times and in bad, in seasons of delight and disaster too, to have continued. In fact, isn't Jesus promising prayer for us to abide? John 14, 16, and 17. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to be with you forever. You know Him because He abides with you, and He will be in you. Abiding. Thanks to the Spirit's presence, We've got this.